Hear ye, hear ye, all gather to hear Master Joe. From this point forward, we are going to call them Bridgewater. You know what we call 20 years around here? We call it Two Gruden. Nobody cares about fantasy, Sean. Nobody. They won the game they needed to win. Greg Williams should never step foot in an NFL locker room. You good? You got it all up? Events grow and grow and grow. It's reps and reps and reps. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, just throw and throw and throw and throw. Terrible, terrible, terrible defense. And we don't recognize boundaries in 2021. That has to make you happy as a Buffalo fan. I'm old, leave me alone. Because he's not a quarterback, so does this still count as QB hit? Like, this is the best. They are not going to eat some W's, but they will definitely eat some L's. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds to Z. Don't forget to come check us out on all your favorite streaming platforms. Come check us out on the Facebook page, the Facebook group, the Ringer NFL group. I'm Joe McDonald, as I always am when I'm on the podcast, and I'm joined, as he always is when he's on the podcast, Mr. Sean Muller. Sean, how are you doing this evening, sir? Not too bad. Uh, glad not to be living in the Barry area. Thoughts and prayers to them, uh, to anyone that's lost their house or anything with the tornado that hit down there in Barry, Ontario. Oh, no, I'm sorry to hear that. That's, yeah. That's, you have family down there? Uh, our family's just northwest of it, uh, Sarah's parents, but she had a friend from high school. His shed was tossed into his pool. Well, if that's the worst, not to not to uh, <laughs> condone property damage by Mother Nature, but if that's the worst thing that happened, then... Then I think he's okay. No, that's the nicest thing that happened, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we... My brother-in-law knows somebody whose house was, like, gone. Oh, like, that's not good. Well, Sean, it's wonderful that you talk about kind of depressing things because we're here to talk about the NFL. And I'm not going to lie, Sean, this episode, it's got some, it's got some down parts. Uh, <laughs> uh, again, this is the news of the NFL. We're going to get into it. We got uh, a few different things to talk about, some player arrests, some vaccination rates, and the Super Bowl winning quarterback apparently was a little bit more injured than we all realized. But Sean, let's get right into the first story. Richard Sherman was released from jail. I know that might be shocking if you didn't know that he actually was arrested. Um, we're we're going to stick to the facts that have been reported. We're not going to get into the stuff, but but a lot of the details have come out. We recorded Tuesday night. This came out Wednesday morning because it happened Wednesday morning uh, in Seattle. Sean, I'm gonna give you the details that I have in front of me here, and then we can talk about it a little bit. Uh, he was Richard Sherman, the free agent cornerback, formerly of obviously the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers, was belligerent, had been drinking heavily, and had spoken of killing himself when he left his home uh, in the Seattle suburb of Maple Valley late Tuesday night, according to police reports. His wife, Ashley Sherman, called 911 to try and have police stop him. He wrecked his car in a construction zone along a busy highway and then tried to break into his in-laws' home in in another uh, area. His father-in-law told officers that he armed himself with a gun and fired pepper spray at Richard Sherman. Police, when arrived at the, this is about 2 o'clock in the morning, local time, when they got there, they did They were trying to use less lethal uh, forces to de-escalate the situation. He was not, you know, they tried to talk to him. He wouldn't listen. They didn't want to taser him because they were worried about whatever chemical the father-in-law has sprayed on him and possibly igniting. They didn't want to fire beanbag rounds at him because how close they were to him. Uh, They didn't want to try and physically detain him, you know, because he's a football player. He's big, he's fast, he's strong. 
Um, so they released the police dog, which bit his ankle, caused a minor cut, and then officers wrestled him to the ground. Uh, he was held without bail because in Washington, you have to see a judge and all that, but he's out now. Um, the wife has come to his defense and said, this is not Richard. This is, you know, he's a loving, caring person. He's been dealing with some drinking problems and he's been uh, dealing with antidepressants and receiving counseling. So we've talked about mental health on this. I'm not, this isn't a bash Richard Sherman thing, but this is the NFL news. Sean, when you saw the, the news first reported, and then as those details have come out since then, we're recording this on Thursday night about 9.30. So the details have been out for about 12 hours, really. What are your thoughts on this? It was, it was disheartening. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff hearing, I tried not to think about what it was until all the details were released, which wasn't going to be until he actually saw a judge, which was this morning, I take it. Thursday yeah. morning. Yes, that was that was the the first arraignment hearing yeah. or the bail hearing. Yeah. Yes. So then they set the bail, which he would be able to cover because um, of the money he has, and that. So, like hearing the details, it's great that cops can use restraint when they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's some of the things that like as you're listing it off again like that's what's going through my head is like oh yeah that's that's great that they didn't want to use a beanbag in point blank range um mm-hmm. there's some other people around america that would be like i wish they had used that kind of restraint with me yeah uh, different things like that so yeah, that's that's a whole other podcast but yeah, yeah. No, you're, so, you're absolutely right. so you have all that then you have everything that's going on and that's not him and he's dealing with these things so you had said it best in the chat it was basically like he football should really be the least of his worries mm-hmm. at this point. Like I know he's a free agent, but we'll stay a free agent a little longer. Maybe we retire. I, I don't see joining a football team being good for that situation at all. Yeah. yeah I'm right there with you. I mean, I even said in the chat, we were discussing with, with some friends of ours, that it just even if like all this gets taken care of it was a one-time thing and all that this is a guy who represented himself in his last contract negotiation with the 49ers so he's gonna have to sit in those meetings and anytime that you sit in those meetings with the team they're gonna tell you some hard truths they're gonna say we see your play declining you're an older like i'm just going with richard sherman the football player okay you've been injured a little bit more lately you know you're not the high price guys you can can't cover everywhere on the field um and then they're going to bring this stuff up. They're going to say, are you reliable? How do we know? Like, we're not going to invest two, three, four million dollars in you if we don't feel that you're in the right mindset. Now, that can be unfair, but that's also the truth. And, and, and like you said, like I said in the chat, I think Richard Sherman, the football player, needs to take a step away and just not worry about it. This is a totally different situation than what happened with Earl Thomas, who imploded on a team and like missed the whole year because he was just a garbage teammate. This is Richard Sherman, the person dealing with stuff that is tangentially aligned with football, but is in this, in a different way, totally different. Hmm. He needs to concentrate on Richard Sherman, the person yes. before he worries about Richard Sherman, the football player. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, I mean, it, the wife, you know, called the police and said, please don't kill him. Like, this is a situation that we need to, you know, but she says that nobody was hurt, but the father-in-law seemed pretty, uh, pretty prepared 
for something bad happening. So, um, well, that just yeah. might be because of America, like a black, I, like I, a, that's just a black man arming himself for the police. Well, he, he, no, no, no. He, he knew that it was Richard. Like there was a crack on the door. Like he, he saw it was Richard trying to break into the house. No, no. But I'm saying like the fact that he had all of that stuff. Is, oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, that could also just even sometimes be the neighborhood you live in. Uh, Sean, what's our next story? Is it just as depressing as Richard Sherman's story? Well, we have some teams not being able to sign the people that they deemed franchise players. I guess that's what I always thought of the franchise tag as Mm -hmm. Um, franchise players, but it's just somebody that they don't want to pay as much money as that person wants to. And they want to gain control over them is what, how I've learned it. But we had a player that did sign an extension from that. Yeah. We talked in a pod, I think it was last week or two Mm -hmm. weeks ago, the players that were eligible to be signed to extensions, um, only one player since we had that pod signed, and that was today, right about 3 o'clock. Uh, Taylor Bowden, the right tackle for the Carolina Panthers, signed a four-year, $72 million extension with about $43 million guaranteed. Um, this is off the heels of Ryan Ramchek, so two right tackles going to the bank and getting a whole lot of money. Um, he was only the fourth player out of 10 who received the franchise tag this year that came to terms on a long-term deal. The other ones... Dak Prescott, of course, New York Giants defensive lineman Leonard Williams, and Denver Broncos safety Justin Simmons. Um, The ones that did not get signed, we'll just go over those again real quick. Chris Godwin uh, of Tampa Bay, Allen Robinson of Chicago, Marcus Williams, the safety for the New New Orleans Saints, uh, New New York Jets safety Marcus May, Jacksonville Jaguars offensive tackle Cam Robinson, and Washington football team guard Brandon Sheriff. Uh, they can no longer be signed to extensions. They are not allowed to engage in long-term talks until after the last game of the 2021 season. So all those guys will be playing under the one-year franchise tag. Um, Sean, are you surprised that Moten signed? Not when you hear the contract. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, are you surprised that Carolina offered him that, I guess, is what I should say. Oh, they – it was probably a smarter move because if you see what Ramchek's getting mm-hmm. and you're kind of, and if you're hoping Moten plays really well and you're like, well, if that's the price this year with inflation, it's only going to go up. So let's lock them down at this year's price. And we know in a couple of years, it turns to fairy dust anyways. So let's just save ourselves some, a few million dollars now. Yeah, I mean, he's a second-round pick at, you know, from 2017, so he's been there the whole time, well, obviously not with Matt Rule because he wasn't there the whole time. But, excuse me, it, it's – like you said, with the Ramchak deal coming out, it probably brought up Moten's price a little bit, and they are like, listen, we can't give you that much money, but we can come up a little bit, and that's what he was looking for, so stability. I really – I mean, I don't want to tell a team how to draft, but – could you imagine if they had taken Rashawn Slater with Moten on the right side and Rashawn Slater playing left tackle? Like, oof, now you're building something there. But I'm not going to question a team how they draft. That I'll, I'll save that for draft time next year. <laughs> uh, what's our next story there, Sean? What do you have in front of you? Well, I have uh, Urban Myers oh. and the Jaguars hiring resign- resignation documents subpoenaed for the Iowa players' case against. What the hell is his name? I I forgot his name. I don't. Let I, me. Yeah, it's um, 
hold on. I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, basically what happened is Urban Meyer decided to hire somebody in, you know, on his staff that just last year was accused of assault and uh, discrimination. Yeah. And uh, was basically uh, told to go home with pay by Iowa. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not a good situation. Again, I'm, I'm having an, an issue here. But, yeah, they have been subpoenaed. Uh, the the doc basically the documents from their hiring and resignation yeah. procedures. They they say that there's not. They say with all due respect, like this has nothing to do with us because it's from the University of Iowa. Uh, with this, it's Doyle. Oh yeah, yeah, Chris Doyle. Doyle uh, yes, Chris Doyle. Um, they hired him. He was the former strength and conditioning coach at Iowa. Again, he was accused of some really despicable behavior. Um. He was the university agreed to pay Doyle $1.1 million in a resignation agreement in June of 2020 after a number of former players said on social media that he bullied them and discriminated against them. He, of course, uh, denies the allegations. Uh, some of it is again, I don't want to get into the details because it's really, really nasty. Um, Urban Meyer not starting out great, Sean. What a surprise, surprise. Didn't see that coming at all. Like, let's look <laughs> at the way he left Florida and joined Ohio State. Like, um, wasn't there one of his former players was a murderer? Like, uh, yes. <laughs> like, hey. and the Florida Gators were basically making the Miami Hurricanes of the 80s look like choir boys. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's pretty bad with what's going on. Again, I from everything that I've seen, this lawsuit is from the players. I'm not really sure that it, it has anything to do with the hiring of Chris Doyle by a professional team, but it's basically a fishing expedition. But it still doesn't look good for Urban that they hired this guy in the first place. Like, this wasn't a guy who five years ago was fired and decided to come back to coaching and, or, you know, a staff and try and work his way back up. Like, he was let go less than a year ago. And Urban Meyer's like, oh, you got, you know, you're being sued for racial discrimination and prejudice and, you know, abuse. Well, why don't you come deal with the professionals? Like, it just yeah. doesn't seem like a very smart move by Urban. Yeah. And um, just 10 years ago, he, the 13 players from Iowa's football program were hospitalized with. Uh, what's it? Rab, rhabdomyolysis. It's a kidney infection, which causes like cell fit, cell damage in your like discolored urine. Thirteen wow. players in one week because of it was basically the spring training. Like that's. <laughs> wow they came back and like yeah and it was like and it was one of the quotes in the article on espn was like the guy was like i don't think i've seen 13 cases in total in my 20 years so having 13 people in one week is cause for concern and he was you know the head strength and conditioning coach that whole time yeah wow all right i don't want to stay on the story anymore because that's just depressing but yeah urban meyer um Oof, do better, man. <laughs> Dude, you've already you've already lost like hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars, got the team fined, lost an OTA practice for next year. Like it's oh, no wonder he's hitching his wagon to Tim Tebow. 
Oh boy! I really, we're gonna no. I don't want to talk about Tim Tebow. We're not talking about. No, Tim we're Tebow. not. We're talking about the trash human being that Urban Meyer is, and the <laughs> fact that he needs to align himself with Tim Tebow for redemption. All right, we're moving on to a cheerier topic. Isn't our next topic about uh, vaccination rate, Sean? <laughs> yeah, I guess it is cheerier. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, there was a story that came out about an hour ago, and I, again, we've talked about vaccination rates. We're not here to. For many PSAs, people have their own opinions on things. We're just reporting the facts. Um, Rob, I want to say it's Maddie or, or Maddie. Uh, I'm not sure. It's M-A-A-D-D-I, reporter, reported that I'll give you the good news first, Sean. Seven teams currently, with about two weeks to go before training camp, have hit the 85% vaccination rate. Now, this is players only because – the other rates are for coaches, scouts, personnel, things of that sort. This is players only. The highest numbers of those teams are Pittsburgh, Miami, Carolina, and Denver. They have the highest vaccination rates. So that means wherever they're at in the spectrum, they're over the 85%. The three other teams, again, I can't find it reported anywhere where they are, but that's great news. Sean Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin, pretty straightforward guy, like, hey, this is what you get if you get it. This is what you get if you don't get it. Don't be idiots. That's my guess what Tomlin said. Um, Miami, Brian Flores. Again, you know, Flores, we've talked about him. We like him as a coach, even though Miami's kind of a little bit of an odd cod situation right now. Probably made a very similar speech to his players. Um, Carolina, young coach, Matt Rule. Uh, I mean, again, it's not all on the head coach, but We've seen some double talk come from players and organizations. So the fact that, you know, these teams like that new owner, David Tepper, you know, new head coach and Denver, um, you know, Vic Fangio out there. Uh, we did see last year, Vaughn Miller got COVID. He was going to go into the season after contracting COVID, but then was injured anyway. Um, so interesting that those are the four teams. I don't know what the other three teams are. Um I mean, you can guess if you want. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think of the four teams, though, Sean? Miami is – it's well, Miami makes sense because in Florida, as long as you had money, you could buy a vaccination before frontline workers. Um, so that, that really makes sense with Miami because they could really get in there before the people that actually needed it. But it's, you know, it's great to see. Seven teams out of 30 have hit uh, – 32, yeah. Out of 32 have hit – uh, herd immunity thresholds, if you will, mm -hmm. among the players. Again, we're not talking about staff there. Yep. I, I would have liked to have seen what the other three teams were. I'm not confident my team would be on that list. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure either. At least they're um, not on the next list you're about to say. I was I was scared uh, for that. I'm boy, not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> like I was I went looking to see if my team was on that list and I was like, whoo, they're not. So they're, well, they're in the middle ground. As, as Sean, well, they might not be in the middle ground. They still might be low. But as Sean just teased, if we're giving a, a, head, a, a heads up to the good teams, it's a, a tails for the bad teams. Four teams remain under the 50% threshold for vaccinations for players. Those teams are the Washington football team, the Arizona Cardinals, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Los Angeles Chargers. Sean, I mean, before I go, give me your thoughts. I mean, what? That's just that's a hodgepodge of teams. Like I, I can't make right sense of that. Like, I, 
you have to hold it against the coaches is, is what I would say. I, like, I think there's Kings, a percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury is obvious. Like we all know my feelings about him as a coach on the field. Looks NFC like West champs, much- baby. <laughs> NFC West champs, baby. <laughs> That'll be just spite him. Oh, okay. Um, but now we're seeing what it's like off the field. Apparently it's mm-hmm. not follow the science. <laughs> and Washington just, <laughs> just no, if they're not in the news for one thing, they're in the well, I guess they're in the news for other things too. <laughs> so yeah. like, is this to distract from the other news that they're in? Like could, just can't catch a break, eh? I feel like Washington, like every week would be like right after they arrested um Charles Manson, it would come out that Charles Manson um also like beheads sheep. And then, like, the next headline is, like, Charles Manson, uh, bad radio DJ. And, like, Charles, like everything is just bad. Like, everything's bad and bad and bad. And uh, it's, uh, yeah. Um, I, I do, we talked about the coaches of the four teams that were above 80, or the four highest teams. Washington, Ron Rivera, cancer survivor. Um, it, it seems that that might be something that would, and, again, I'm not trying to guess anybody's personal beliefs. Who knows? Well, Maybe they Mike... have Montez Sweat on there who Who's asked, who asked yes. to be showed the, the yeah. science, yeah. who showed the science and then decided that Good. that wasn't enough. Yeah. So um, he's like a pretty high profile player. So yeah. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, you, you talked about Kingsbury. I won't go in on that. The Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich, you know, Carson Wentz comes to town. Uh, that, I mean, the organization as a whole, I have no idea. And the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, again, I mean, first year head coach, uh, Brandon Staley, it, you know, some young guys, some old guys, again, the reasons that some teams are over 85%, I don't know. And the reason some of these teams are under 50%, I don't know. And it's just, I just found this like, I, again, we've talked about COVID more than enough on this podcast, but I just thought these were really, really interesting figures. And I figured they deserve to see the light of day. Yeah, and any reason not to be above 50% wouldn't be satisfying anyways. There really is no good mm-hmm. reason. So I, it really doesn't matter the reason. It's like... Well, and, and I want to bring something up because we only have one more topic, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I want to talk about some of this because we're getting into training camps with 90-man rosters. I want to say that right now a third of the league is players who were in college last year. So as much as we blame the NFL for not getting the players vaccinated, aren't colleges kind of like, eh, what did the colleges do? Because it's been long enough that these guys were in school that at least in the United States, all people over the age of 18 were available to get the vaccine. So while I think the NFL was trying, we've talked again about like the incentives for being vaccinated and not being vaccinated. I wonder if there is a little bit of blame, even if it's a sliver that goes to the colleges. Yeah, I can definitely see I mean, that. They were, they, they were able to isolate the, the student athletes away from the students in most mm-hmm. circumstances. So it would, so vaccinations might not have been a thing there. Um, you know. I mean, it, it comes down to personal responsibility and personal mm-hmm. choice. But like if the colleges who are quote unquote institutions of learning didn't bring in people you know from i don't know their own medical departments or their own health departments and say okay guys this is why we do it like 
we've kept you as safe as we can now. Now here's the next step. Like, again, maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but I think for all these young guys coming into the league, there is a, just a tiny bit of culpability on the colleges themselves. But again, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm being unfair. It's been known to happen from time to time, but that's all I can go with that. What do well, you think? The only, well, I don't know. Maybe it depends on the states that the players live in. And because a lot of teams were going virtual and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So were, were these teams, like, I guess there was no outbreaks at their OTAs or anything like that. Like, I know in different states, there's different um, incentives to get the vaccine. So maybe, like, California, as I'm looking at it right now, it's Vax for the win. Mm-hmm. You can win, like, 1.5 million. <laughs> yeah. again sean i i don't know i don't know the reason i can definitely see better ways to spend 1.5 million in california it Um, could have something to do with some better water in different areas i was thinking of brunch with drew barrymore but that's just me well i'm just saying you know as a socialist like trying to get the money to to the people that actually need the money not like probably some rich ass person who's going to win that 1.5 million yeah. and it's going to be there like go into their like never going to spend fund i was just saying that as a fan of drew barrymore but i mean oh, yeah, obviously. um all right sean we have one last story to talk about and as it usually is it's about tom brady <laughs> sean i can't even i can't even begin to discuss this story so please tell the people what happened and I'm just pulling it up right now. So the reports came out. Like, this is, it's just peak Tom Brady. Like, you're 43. You Soon won to be 44. Super, yeah, you won a Super Bowl in your first year with the new team after the thing. Like, it's like trying to quantify and make it better. Mm-hmm. Evidently, he also was playing the whole year. Uh, or at some point of the year, he tore his MCL and underwent surgery recently for that. Well, the report is is that he actually tore it in his last season with the Patriots coming down the home stretch, and that yeah. he kept it a secret, or as is being reported, Tom's a quote-unquote traditional-style kind of guy. Like, we don't talk about how hurt we are, you know? <laughs> So apparently going into this uh, free agent wooing period where he uh, criticized one team for sticking with that motherfucker, Tom wasn't telling people that he was uh, had a torn MCL and played the season with it, <clears throat> excuse me, and won the Super Bowl and then had surgery in February. Now, it slowly did trickle out after the Super Bowl that Tom Brady had a procedure. Bruce Arians talked about it was just a quote unquote cleanup. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, I think it was Mike Giardi of the NFL Network was like, no, this is actually a bigger deal, and Tom's going to be limited until June. So a little bit of details did come out earlier in the offseason, um, and now it's come out full-fledged. You know, Again, two weeks before training camp, that Tom Brady played the entire season on a torn MCL, which is admirable. Uh, people have already begun to – uh, dismiss it. You know, there's players who have played with severe injuries. Um, one of his teammates, Logan Mankins, who's a guard, played a whole season with a torn ACL. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it does happen. And it's not to take anything away from Tom Brady, but we also know that, that Tom Brady and some of his cohorts in 
in sports entertainment. Uh, I would say people like maybe a LeBron James or stuff like that, you know, they don't hate it when you talk about them. And they love to take a story that is already a story that, that is a great story. It's a great story. And, Gotta make it better. Add a little bit of paprika. Add, add a little bit of cumin. Add a little bit of, you know, uh, salsa to the top and just spice it up a little bit. Sean, Not just plain old salt. No, no, no. No salt base here, buddy. Okay, we, we go with the hard stuff. Sean, what, what do you think of this story? It, I can understand him playing. He wasn't very mobile. And that would definitely explain a lot of the short throwing and quick throwing and different things like that. Because, mm-hmm. like, the torn MCL, it's playable-ish. Like, it's, you just have to wrap it. Like, the ACL and different things like that. I think Phil Rivers has played on a torn something or other. The AFC Championship game against the Patriots, he played with a torn yeah. ACL. Yeah. So, it's it's... And it's not that out of the realm that he wasn't able to get it last year because that would have been at the beginning of COVID, the beginning of the shutdown. Hospitals mm-hmm. had better things to do than repair the knee of an NFL player. They had to try and save lives. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, and clearly it wasn't career threatening this injury because he went on to win the Super Bowl. I just think for it to come out, it's, the NFL's bored yeah. and Brady, <laughs> yeah. Brady fans haven't been feeling themselves enough lately, apparently. And I feel like, like that's a shot at one of our listeners. I feel like that's a direct shot. It's at one not of our a direct shot. I'm just talking about <laughs> Brady fans in general. I think that's a direct shot. It's not <laughs> a direct ahead. shot. <laughs> and, uh. and it's like Tom Brady. Well, my comment is, well, I guess, TB12 doesn't cure everything because clearly it didn't cure an MCL tear. Shots at Alex Guerrero. Shots at Alex Guerrero. If Um, if TB12 was that good, it would have cured uh, an MCL tear. Oh, boy. You listen to the sass on you. You just can't hide the Buffalo Bills fan in you. Uh, It doesn't matter where Tom Brady goes. He could be in Qatar. He could be in Tampa Bay. doesn't matter. The pettiness never leaves. Now, I actually want to push back on something you said a little bit. I think that's actually why you saw more deep passes. If you look, Brady was actually one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. I think that with the MCL, he didn't want to do the short, powerful steps. I think he wanted to take the longer strides back and actually bring down that torque some on his knee, where I think the elongated steps helped relieve the pressure on that MCL as opposed to like a quick three to five step drop and getting the ball out fast. So I, I do agree. Obviously, Brady is not a mobile quarterback. He was never a mobile quarterback, even with three healthy MCLs. He's not a mobile quarterback. Um, but I do think that that's maybe part of the reason that that offense, especially earlier on in the season, a lot of deep ball throws, a lot of just, I mean, if you've noticed the past couple of years, I mean, I did as a Patriots fan, Tom's, Tom's deep passes look more like punts. They're more... They're, they're higher arching. They come down more where before it was more of a flat level. And I think now he's really worked on his arm strength to kind of relieve because he's had calf and lower body issues for the last at least five years. People kind of don't talk about that enough. Every year at the end of the year, the reason that his balls that he's throwing start to dip in the ground and stuff is because he does have some lower body issues. And that's the whole TV 12 Alex Guerrero stuff. I mean, we could take our shots at it and everything. But this has actually been a recurring problem for years. There was a game against Miami 
that he got like folded in half before the one playoff run. And, and there was some concern that he may have tore his ACL then. And, you know, that's probably the start of like his MCL issues and stuff. But yeah, I, it, I, it makes sense because it was his left knee. So that would make sense on the short throws because on the long throws, he's basically off his back foot more. Mm-hmm. Whereas the short throws, he's stepping into it and it's yep. more on his front foot. And, but it would, it would take, it would also explain why he didn't want to get hit. Yeah. Cause that would be the knee that they'd be hitting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you do those, you know, Tom is, is famous for like when he gets to the back end of those five to seven uh, step drops, if there's nobody open, he'll just throw the ball in the dirt. Like he's yeah. getting rid of that ball instantly. Like he's not throwing it out of bounds. Like an Aaron Rodgers where it's like, Nope, get that ball out of my hands. I'm not three Mississippi's. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely three Mississippi's. So no, and again, I mean, yeah, if you look at their passes, I'm sure there's somebody who can say, oh, no, actually, I'm 42% of their plays on it. I just saw a lot more deep balls out of Tom Brady than I could have imagined seeing. And now that I find out about this MCL injury, it does make a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just does. Um, so, again, interesting. We could take our shots at him and all this stuff. It is the doldrums of the NFL offseason. Thank you, Tom Brady, and your uh, – cast of characters for leaking this out what's it gonna um, be next week i um that tom brady is actually left-handed and has been throwing with the wrong arm his whole career uh, <laughs> and chris doyle is the reason i was able to do that <laughs> strength and conditioning baby strength and conditioning just whipped me into shape whipped yeah. my left hand every time i used it that's right all right. Well, on that note, Sean, I can't think of anything else we have to talk about. So uh, this will be a nice short pod for everybody to enjoy. Hopefully going into the weekend, if Sean isn't busy with his new banker life and family that he supposedly has, I've never personally met them. So I'm assuming they're alive and well, but you know, if, if you see them, just take a picture. Just I'd like to see some proof. Uh, on that note, I'm Joe McDonald. That's Sean Waller. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. Don't forget to come check us out on all your favorite streaming platforms. Everybody, take care, be safe, Sean. Have a great night, and uh, I want to see the family real soon. (laughs) You too. Bye. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Yeah. So, lead off with Richard Sherman. Yeah. And then go to. and do urban meyer okay urban meyer and the jags yeah and then vaccination rates good and bad for teams like two weeks away from training camp the two are the two tweets i sent out yeah and then i guess our final story will be the tom brady story sure was that all we had or was there something else uh, there was franchise tag oh oh that's right that's right um, that's right because taylor moton signed the deal and everybody else was was out okay um okay so yeah we'll we'll put that let's start off with sherman and then why don't we put moton and the franchise tag players next yeah and then we can go to urban meyer okay and then the vaccination rates yeah and then finish up with brady tom brady and his yeah I mean, does that make sense? Kind of like go in and out of stuff. All right.
I didn't have any notes for tonight on the season off my phone, off my memory. Uh, any notes or thoughts before we get going? No. Cool. I know it's weird. Like, there's no baseball tonight. There's no hockey. There's no basketball. There's nothing on tonight. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. All right. So whenever you're ready, sir. You're fine. <laughs> What's that? Ready when you are. Oh, okay. <laughs> 